In the letter of Paul to the Romans, we have uh, Jack Kapinga preaching to us this morning. Welcome Jack this morning with us. You've been here before, so we, most of us are familiar with your faith. And Jack will be preaching on Romans 8, verse 28 to 39. And the title of the sermon uh, is More Than Conquerors, as is the title of the passage in the NIV NL. Um, I'll read it to you in a moment, but let's pray that the Lord will give us uh, that we all understand what it means. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. And as we open your word now, we pray that it will speak to us, that you will speak to us. And therefore, we pray for the special guidance of your Holy Spirit, that your word may take hold in our hearts. Lord, we pray that we'll understand it, that we apply it. We pray for Jack as he preaches and explains to us what it means practically. And uh, we pray that that through this we may uh, become more thankful, more trusting, and place our full hope in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Romans 8. Verse 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who didn't spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen. It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it's written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the scripture. Now we go off to, uh, to Sunday school and we invite Jack to come forward and bring his message.
l'utilisation de Well, thank you, Fred, and uh, thank you to all of you for the invitation to come and to bring God's word this morning. And I would invite, in, encourage you to uh, keep your Bibles open to that passage if you can. You know, as you, uh, as you think about God's word, as you think about the Bible, I'm sure you know that there are, there are some parts that strike you a bit more than others. I'm not saying that any part of the Bible is less important than any other part, but of course there are some passages and some sections that, uh, that we find more meaning in. And I think in terms of the whole Bible, I, I think that Paul's letter to the Romans would have to be the most wonderful book in many ways. And I think within the book of Romans, the, the passage that Fred has just read for us has got to be one of the most wonderful sections And I think, for me at least, that that even within this passage there is a verse that is really the most wonderful of all. And I'm talking about verse 37, Romans 8, verse 37, where it says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, can I invite you to just let those magnificent words sink in for a moment. Let this awesome truth wash over you. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. My friends, I ask you this morning, who would not want to be a conqueror? Who would not want to be a a victor, a, a, a champion, a winner? But the point is that, that as Christians, that is exactly what we are. In fact, Paul doesn't just say here that we are conquerors, but he says that we are, we are more than conquerors. This is one of those times when, when Paul just can't seem to find a word to, to express what he wants to say. And so he takes the Greek word for conqueror and he adds to it the prefix hyper. And so he quite literally says that we are hyper conquerors. We are mega conquerors. We are super conquerors. And don't you agree that that has to be just the most glorious truth? But of course the problem is that we don't always feel like it, do we? I don't always feel like I am more than a conqueror and I don't think that you do either. In fact, you might feel like you're anything but that and you even may feel like like that as you sit here this morning because there are so many times when life is the opposite, when life is just so tough. You know, over the years I've sat down with, with many, many people who have told me about the, the struggles that they're going through in their lives. I've listened to them talk about the, the severe frustrations that they're experiencing, the utter disappointments that they've had in their lives, the deep sadness, the grave fears, the intense grief. My friends, so often our, our days are interrupted 
by sickness or by broken relationships or by other circumstances that that rob us of the life and the future that we had been hoping for. And believe me, I've experienced those things for myself as well. I have experienced the weight of responsibility, the stress of expectation, the burdens of despair, the pain of failure. And maybe, just maybe, you have felt some of those things in your life as well. And so it doesn't always feel like we're doing all that well, does it? It doesn't always feel like we are more than conquerors. And so I ask you then, how can Paul go around saying these things? How can Paul say that when you're a Christian, you're a winner in life? You're a super conqueror? Well, my friends, he can say it because of the last words of that verse. For he doesn't just say that we are more than conquerors, but he says that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You see, my friends, whatever happens in life, no matter how hard things might get, no matter how useless you might feel, there is yet a truth that we should never, ever forget. And that truth, my friends, is that God loves us. I can say, even in the midst of my deepest struggles, that God loves me. And you can say the same thing. That is why we are more than conquerors. Not because of anything we have done, not because of anything we are, but because of the love of the Creator for us. But perhaps you might be wondering, what does that really mean? What does it mean to be loved by the Lord? Well, this morning I'd like to show you five things that Paul mentions to us here in this passage. And the first thing that he tells us is that that God's love means that he is working for our good in everything. And I'd invite you to look at verse 28. It says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Sometimes that can be very hard to believe, can't it? You know, I've had times when I couldn't possibly conceive of the fact that the things that were happening to me were for my good. And if I was a betting man, I would bet that you've been there too. How can tragedy be for good? How can depression be for good? How can abuse and insult and frustration and illness and even death be for good? Well, you know, if we're ever going to understand this, then the place we need to start is by remembering what truly is good. Because, you see, we naturally think that the, that the ultimate good is to have an easy, painless and successful life. That's what the world tells us. But I'm here to tell you this morning that that is not the truth. My friends, the ultimate good 
is to find God, to come to know him and to love him, to learn to trust him wholeheartedly and to serve him authentically and to be genuinely transformed into his image. And the simple fact of the matter is that that is never going to happen unless we experience suffering and hardship in our own lives. But my friends, we also need to remember that our God is powerful and he is in control and he truly is able to use even the most difficult things for his glorious purposes. We usually cannot see it at the time and you know, sometimes we may never see it but yet we can trust in it. Paul says that we can know, we can be certain, we can trust that this is what God does. He does not do it for everyone. Paul says he does it for those who love him those who have been called to be his own. But my friends, if that applies to you, then you can cling on to this truth no matter what would happen. And let me give you just one example this morning and a very personal one. It was way back in 1983, almost 30 years ago, when my father died from cancer. He was only 55 years old, I was only 13. But you know, that was an incredibly sad and an incredibly tragic time in my life and in my family's life. But now I can look back and I can stand here before you this morning and I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that the Lord used that time for good in my life. As a result of that that sad event, tragic event and the ensuing hardship that resulted from it, I came to see that God cares for me. I came to see how much I needed the Lord and I came to put my trust in Jesus as my Saviour. My friends, let me tell you from personal experience that we truly are more than conquerors because God loves us and that means that he is working for our good, for my good and for your good in everything, even in the hardest and most painful things in life. So that's the first thing. But the second thing this passage tells us is that God's love means that he has placed us on the path of salvation. And we see this in verses 29 and 30. You see, we need to remember that salvation is not just a single one-off event, but it is a process. It is a process that is controlled from the very beginning until the very end by the Lord. First of all, Paul tells us that God foreknew us. What that means is that God chose us beforehand. He chose us to be his own before we were even born. In fact, he chose us before the very creation of the world. What a mind-blowing thought that is. Our salvation does not come down to our decision, but it is God's decision. 
Let us praise the name of the Lord because he decided in his mercy to save us. You know, there are some people around who reject that idea because they say that it implies that we don't have a free will to choose for ourselves. But you know, I'm for one, I'm very glad that I don't have a free will to choose for myself because if I did have a free will to choose for myself, then I would choose against God every single time. I am so thankful that it is the Lord who chose me first. But having chosen us, it also says here that God predestined us. He predestined us to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. This reminds us what God chose us for. He chose us to become like Jesus, to become holy and upright and pure. And the reason is because God's plan is to gather together a family. A family in which Jesus is preeminent, but yet where all of us are God's children. A family where we can know his fatherly care for us. A family where we can belong. A family where we can fit in. A family where we can find peace and joy and security that you will not find anywhere else. But having foreknown us and predestined us, it says that God also called us. And that means that God has actually fulfilled his plan in us. He has actually broken into our lives here on earth and he has taken hold of us. He has called on us to believe and he has filled us with his Holy Spirit. He not only chose us before the creation of the world, but he has made that a reality in our lives. And because he did, it says that he also justified us for the very reason why we needed saving in the first place was because of our sin and our depravity. We were filthy rebels in the sight of God, guilty and worthy of judgment, But in his mercy, God has declared us not guilty. It is now just as if we had never sinned. That's what it means to be justified. And because of that, Paul also says that we have been glorified. And what we have here is the very end of the process. Because you see, my friends, there is a day that is coming when we will leave this life And when we will go to the Lord and we will live with him forever in the glory of heaven. But notice that Paul speaks of it as though it's already happened. That's how sure we can be that it will happen. Congregation, sometimes we can forget this this wonderful path that we are travelling. But this morning I urge you, don't forget. God foreknew us and predestined us. He has called us and justified us and the day is coming when he will glorify us. We truly are more than conquerors because God loves us and in his love he has placed us on this path of salvation. But there's still more. There's still more because the third thing that these verses remind us of 
is that God's love means that he has even given to us his own son and how important that is. You know, sometimes we can, we can talk about our salvation as, as, if it's, as if it's no big deal. But I think that's why we need to sometimes stop and remember what it cost. In verse 31 it says, What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Well, you might say there are lots of things that are against us. You might say that when I look at my life, there are lots of things getting me down. But the point that Paul is making is that that with God on our side, it doesn't matter who's against us. With God on our side, we are on the winning team. And how do we know that God is on our side? Well, look at verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? My friends, how often do we think about the cost of our salvation? Believe me, it is not no small thing God could not just ignore our sin. He could not overlook it. It needed to be paid for. Someone needed to be punished in our place before we could be forgiven. But God was willing to pay the price himself by giving us his son. You know, he didn't have to. He could have just left us Jesus could have avoided that unspeakable agony of the cross, that unspeakable agony of bearing our sin, but he loved us so much that he was willing to pay that price. God loved us so much that he did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. And because he did, Paul tells us that we can also trust that the Lord will graciously give us all things. When we are going through the deepest valleys of life, when we feel like there is no hope, then we should remember the price that God has paid for our salvation. We should remember that God's love means that he has even given us his own son. But now the fourth thing, the fourth thing that Paul tells us is that God's love means that he has forever taken our guilt away. Take a look at verses 33 and 34. It says, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Now let's think about the logic of those verses for a moment. It says, first of all, who will bring any charge against us? Who can accuse us of being sinners? Who can accuse us of being failures? Who can accuse us of being guilty? Well, anyone could, because we are. And as a result of that, many people, in fact many Christians, live with guilt every day. 
Many Christians live with a, with a constant feeling that they are never good enough. Some feel that they've done something terrible in the past that could never ever be forgiven. Some of them feel like they're not living up to, up to other people's standards or not living up to their own standards or living up to the church's standards or even living up to God's standards. And it's not hard to feel that way, is it? Because we all fail, always. But my friends, if we are living daily with guilt, then we have not understood what the Lord has done. For any accusation against us counts for absolutely nothing. And why not? Because God in his love has chosen us and he has justified us. He has washed all our sins and shortcomings away. And so Paul asks, who is he that condemns? If God has declared us not guilty, then what does it matter what the devil says? What does it matter what other people say? What does it matter even what our own conscience says? The Lord has taken our sins away and he has nailed them to the cross. And so he has no interest in condemning us. In fact, the exact opposite is the case. Paul says that Jesus Christ, the crucified and risen one, is now sitting at the right hand of God. And he's not sitting there condemning us. He is sitting there interceding for us. Jesus himself is praying and pleading for us, the people who he died to save. Oh, my friends, what a fantastic truth that is. We need never feel that we have fallen short, that we are not good enough or that we are failures because we are conquerors, more than conquerors, because our God loves us And that means that he has forever taken our guilt away. But now there is one final implication of God's love that we need to consider and that is that God's love means that he is never going to let us go. And how important is that? I mean, when life is tough, We can very easily think to ourselves that God must have deserted us. I've thought that in my life. Sure you have too. But listen to these words. First verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And of course the answer is none of them. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall losing your job or going broke? Shall suffering depression or seeing everything go wrong in your life? Shall getting Alzheimer's or getting cancer? Can any of these things separate us from Jesus? No way. None of them. Not even one. This is so important that Paul comes back to it again in verses 38 and 39. He says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God 
that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you get the message, congregation? Nothing, nothing that happens to us can ever cut us off from God's love. Not even death itself. No matter how bad things get, we still have the most wonderful thing of all. Our government, they may let us down. Our employer may let us down. Our teachers may let us down. Our friends may let us down. Our parents may let us down. Our children may let us down. Our husband or our wife may even let us down. Yes, even our church may let us down. But my friends, our God will never, ever, ever let us down. We can rely on him 100%. Nothing can separate us from him. For God's love means that he will never let us go. My friends, let me just recap what Paul teaches us in this passage. Five implications of the Lord's love for us. God's love means that he is working for our good in everything. God's love means that he has placed us on the path of salvation. God's love means that he has even given us his own son. God's love means that he has forever taken away our guilt. And God's love means that he's never going to let us go. And so I ask you, is it any wonder that Paul declares, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. There are surely times when it doesn't feel that way. But my friends, it's at precisely those times that we need to lift our eyes up away from our troubles to the Lord of heaven and earth. Even when I fail, even when I hurt, even when I think I just can't do it anymore, I can say and I can know and I can trust that God loves me. And my friends, that makes all the difference, all the difference in the world. Amen. Let us pray. Father God in heaven, we know that there are times when life is good. And Father, when life is good, a passage like this is a wonderful passage. But Father, we know that when life is difficult, that this passage becomes so much more wonderful because it reminds us of things that we need to know so desperately. Father God in heaven, we thank you for your love toward us. We thank you that you have demonstrated that love to us in Jesus Christ and that because of him we are free from sin and death and hell and that instead we have hope and peace and a wonderful relationship with you. 
And Father, we thank you that more than that, you have promised, you have promised that you care for us every day, that nothing can separate us from you and that you do indeed work for our good in all things, even when we are not able to see it. And Father, that is too wonderful for us to to even understand. But Father, we pray that you would help us to begin to grasp these things and to understand that because of these things, we indeed can say with Paul that we are more than conquerors through you and your love for us. Lord, I pray that you will help each one of us to understand these things this day and to take them with us into this week and into the weeks and the months and the years ahead, Lord, that we might always know that you are our God, that you love us, and that in you we have all that we need, even when everything seems to go wrong. Lord, we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus, our Saviour and our Lord. Amen.